0: Again, that's ebaymotors.com.
1: From Coliseum Home Videos, it's a Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I know. I popped when I thought of that, too. Uh, PD came over and made me watch. We don't watch Impact anymore now that he's a company guy, and he made me watch some WWE stuff, and everyone we watched, it was like, Coliseum Home Video. I'm like, God, we need to bring that back.
2: I mean, Coliseum Home Video was it was definitely they had those – Clamshells that were uh you know, at least the first incarnation of, of Coliseum Home Video. The the VHS cassette weighed about six thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh you knew it was good quality. It was obviously, you know, made in Stanford, Connecticut. But uh <laughs> I don't know if they're where they were made. But anyways, point I was I'm trying to make is that they were awesome. I loved them. I loved having those. You know, they had even the plastic over the actual covers. So you know, you could have spilt your coffee or your uh, beverage of choice on it and you just wipe it off. It was like a it was like a 70s Buick.
1: Is it just me or did like almost every cover have like that baby Chicago blue tint to it, too?
2: Now, there was some yellow ones. There was some black ones. There was
1: wrestling bloopers, bleepers and practical jokes. Wasn't there that one? I um, think there was one. I think there now, was. Now I want to go back and see if I can watch any of that old stuff.
2: Well, yeah. And then at, as, as obviously Coliseum video progressed and, you know, uh, things became cheaper to manufacture, then it became in a like, like the little, you know, cardboard, you know, clamshell slide in thing. You know what I mean? So the, 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 the giant plastic covers
1: kind of disappeared by the wayside. Now, now we're always going to be presented by Coliseum home video. That's just the way it's got to be, right? It might 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 have to
2: be. I mean, there's there's other kinds of video companies, Dennis. I mean, you, you should, maybe you should do some research.
1: But I know that we got a lot of emails. As you're far the tape as tape trader from- guy, just remember, you're the yeah. tape trader guy. I missed out on it, and that's one of my big regrets in life. Is well, missing out.
2: well, you didn't miss out. I mean, other than the friendships that I still have with certain guys, um, you know, I would say that it was it's a bygone era and i almost feel like you know because of how you can find wrestling other than the peacock channel because they edit it and they fuck it, fuck it up they have destroyed history it's like you know it's like re it's going it's like going back and rewriting a book you know what i mean you know or changing parts of mm-hmm. a book it's like you don't do that you know it was written at a time and it was done at a time regardless of how you feel about it now if it's going to hurt your
1: feelings or whatever you don't change art. Sorry. Well, let's uh, jump into these emails. Nick H. from Penn State wants to know, just the other day I went down a rabbit hole of Curtis Axel. What do you think went wrong with him? And if you could try to resurrect his career now, how would you do it? Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you can answer that one. You You know what? Uh, I think he would be one of those guys where leaning on his father's accomplishments would probably work out for him. You know, you had – a Ted DiBiase Jr., uh, that worked out well for him, and I always kind of felt like with, with a guy like a Curtis Axel, if he went clean-shaven and kind of did a perfect-esque gimmick, you know, the son of Mr. Perfect, you know, I was born into perfection, something like that, that might work out for him. Yeah, I
2: feel like that could definitely work out for him in this for a while, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could definitely write on that. I mean, I think that Uh, you know, Dustin Rhodes did it. Obviously, Cody Rhodes did it. Uh, I mean, maybe Bray Wyatt should have done a little bit more of that. Um, for sure. But then there was examples, it's like Bobby Duncan Jr. I mean, yes, he was successful to a certain extent, but he never actually went up the card. Mm -hmm. Or even, you know, I mean, I think there's a, a, a lot of examples of how being just because you're a second generation or third generation wrestler doesn't give you. Uh, you know, that's not like the the fast track, you know, up the, up the card, up the,
1: you know, up the food chain. What, what decisions in your life do you have to make to go down a Curtis Axel rabbit hole to start with? How does that happen?
2: Well, you know what I understand because it's like, I have had those moments with doing the clown. So <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, some of that eighties WWF stuff, nineties WWF stuff. Um, you know, I, I, you know, best of Repo Man, count me in. You know, okay,
1: Repo I lo- Man, it. yes.
2: But you know, Barry Darso was obviously rad. So I mean, you know, it, it, whatever. It's not like I'm gonna go find search out the best of Sean Stasiak.
1: Shout out to Sean. Uh, who I get like an email about probably once a month about how he wants to come on the show from him.
2: Well, <laughs> you kidding. know, that's very nice. That's very nice.
1: Very sweet of him. Thank you for the email. Uh, Long time watcher. I, I assume uh, Adam Carmen from Jacksonville, um, almost 20 years in WWE acted in a few movies, never left WWE to try to go to Hollywood, never jumped to another company. If there's any WWE star that deserves a break, Ric Flair's 16-time world champion, it's Randy Orton. Do you agree? No. I agree Uh, with you.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I remember when Randy Orton first came up, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that he's that. I mean, I, I understand he's great. He's a great wrestler. Um, I understand why wrestlers love him, too. I totally get it. Um, But as far as a charismatic uh, actor, I don't think uh, he is one. Um, I think he's – I think – I don't know. I just – there's something – I don't know. But then again, I'm not an agent, so –
1: when I think of Randy Orton, and it's not a insult, but I think of like a Triple H. Triple H. When you think of the greatest of his era, he comes in what three, four, maybe somewhere around there. He was never yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't really hold those guys in
2: high regard. You know, in honesty, I think like it's it was but of maybe time. I, of time sure, but I could name all, ten other guys that I preferred better. You
1: know, so right. Um, you know, thing with Randy is the point is you know him and Triple H were never the top guys. They were.
2: I, I feel like Chris Jericho like really learned a lot from Triple H because he inserts himself in everywhere that he doesn't really need to be.
1: <laughs> you know, that's what happens with us guys with podcasts. We all try to get the scoops. I guess. I mean,
2: it's it's no it's no you know slag on anybody. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but it's like there's certain things I'm just like, why are you even there? Why are you doing this? Like you know. And I felt like Triple H became that and
1: I see that, you know, now. So Chad wants to know I or says, I think w, WWE screwed up by not letting Sami Zayn beat Roman Reigns in the elimination chamber. Another case for bad WWE booking. What do you guys think?
2: Well, I hate these armchair fucking bookers. It's like, you know, it's just because, you know, a, a certain section of the fans thinks that Sami Zayn should be champion doesn't mean that what they're doing isn't isn't right or you're going to like the end outcome it's like you're talking about something that hasn't even unfolded yet you know we don't know how we're going to get to you know the main event at WrestleMania we don't know how it's going to culminate between Roman and Cody we don't know how it's going to unfold yet between Sami Zayn and the Usos or Kevin Owens it's like it's the story still being told and the fact that you say it's like bad booking it's like it's ridiculous because you know, we're talking about two. The, what I see is two future main event stars were made, <laughs> you know, not bad booking. That's like it's 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 kind of like, I don't know, it seems like to be the new catchphrase like, oh, it's bad booking. It, uh, you know, it's like, well, where where did you get? Tell me where you learned how to book. Tell me what company you were booking. And the, it's kind of like, oh, that's bad music. It's like, well, you can say that all you want but to somebody it's going to make sense to just because it doesn't make sense to you. doesn't mean to make it, makes it bad. You know, it's just what you, and it, it sounds like, you know, I don't know. I fucking hate that. I think it's so fucking stupid anyways.
1: Uh, no, I 100% agree. And as much as I've, enjoyed- no
2: offense to the guy who sent the question, but seriously, it's like, you know, you're a fan, be a fucking fan. Don't you're not the fuck. You're, WWE is not going to hire you because of it. You know
1: what I mean? Like, I I agree, and uh, those guys get paid for it. You don't, and uh, we all have our opinions. I get it, and I like watching this play out. It's been a great story. It's made Sami Zayn relevant for the first time in how many years? And Sami's always been a great middle of the card guy. Uh, he's enjoying some time on the upper echelons. He's showing that he can hang with the big guys, but to put a strap or a company around a guy like that, I need to see more than just one storyline uh you look at look at uh I'm trying to think of some of the guys this has happened to, you know, uh Kofi Kingston. It took a long time for Kofi Kingston it, look at
2: Roman reigns, for yes Christ's sake, how long did they build him where nobody gave a shit, but how many years? i yep. still don't give a shit i really still don't give a shit like roman reigns does nothing for me as a matter of fact get the belt off of him as soon as as soon as you can whether you give it to cody or if you give it to sammy it's totally fine to me but my point you go ahead i'm sorry to interrupt i just get passionate
1: about this shit. oh no and i love sitting back and watching you go off like this is great uh it, Daniel Bryan. And and you know, the one guy I was su- surprised it did work with was kind of Jinder Mahal for a short time where he kind of when they, you know, he won it overnight out of nowhere. I, I enjoyed that. But I don't see as Sami Zayn being able to carry that kind of momentum getting a strap. And he might I,
2: I kind of feel like I've seen this before where a guy like Ronnie Garvin, mm. you know, becomes like the world heavyweight champion. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, it's maybe it should have been somebody else. Now, Cody's never had a chance to run with that ball. I understand Sammy hasn't either. But the sheer simple fact that you've made, you know, every time that Cody gets on, like after that whole crescendo, and then you had that promo between Paul Heyman and, and the first one and Cody Rhodes I literally forgot for a second. I felt like Cody had taken that back. You know what I mean? And I understand. Sammy is one of the biggest, is probably the biggest baby face in the company right now. I totally get it. But the story's not done. That's the whole thing. The story for Cody is to meet Roman at WrestleMania. That is not done. So it's kind of like, it, then I feel like you're going to go back to WCW last year or two where they just pulling shit out of their ass just to make fans happy and then the fans are so fucking fickle, it's like I don't know. I just don't think that that's the way you book your companies by listening to sometimes you have to listen to the fans and you got to give the fans what they want and maybe Cody will get the get the belt <clears throat> and it'll fizzle and it'll just be whatever and then you look back in retrospect and say maybe we should have done something different but I feel like Stick to the plan and give Cody a chance to remind everybody why
1: he's in that position. Because we all think we're bookers. How would if, if I somebody... don't?
2: I don't though. That's the whole thing. I don't think I'm a booker. I'm a wrestling fan, and I know what I want to see. You know. Oh,
1: but go ahead. As, as a wrestling fan, if someone comes to you and says, "How would Lars book Cody going in to protect?" I wouldn't. Him? No? I wouldn't.
2: No, because that's the whole fucking point of being a wrestling fan. It's like suspension of disbelief. You're not fucking Dave Meltzer. You're not. We're not Dave Meltzer. I don't want to be Dave Meltzer. I, I'm not into that kind of thing. Like, I don't really care about certain things. You know what I mean? Like, what I want to do is be entertained when I watch wrestling. I want to love the guys I love and hate the guys I hate. And I'm probably more than nine times out of ten going to love the guys that I hate. Okay? You know, regardless of a few. So, it's just like, I feel like being a wrestling fan today, today's modern wrestling fan, is probably not gonna be here in three years. It's kinda like punk rock when we were kinda coming up. You know what I mean? The people that were there, weren't there anymore. You know what I mean? They graduated college and they moved on. And I've seen that with wrestling fans too. So the ones that are really core and understand that like this is about being entertained and that suspension of disbelief or that storytelling, like that's for me. And you call me old, call me whatever the fuck you want. I don't give a shit, okay? I got the IC belt right there, so fuck you. But my point is, is that like, for me as a That's fan,
1: right. <clears throat> you're spicy today.
2: Well, you know what? I'm just, I, I I think the internet's fucking stupid. Okay. It's like, no one on there is fucking positive. It's all negative shit. It's fucking lame. You know what I mean? And it takes the fun out of it. It's like, this guy fucking sucks. Or if he was only booked, right. Like what's your fucking wealth of knowledge of booking? Like what, if you were like un- tutelage, you know, you're, 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 your tutor was Dusty Rhodes or Jerry Jarrett or Jim Cornette or fucking Paul Heyman, and you learned under them, and they taught you this skill. Or who? And the list goes on and on and on. Then cool, I I will listen to you because I will feel like you know your ass from a hole in the wall. But when you're just online going, oh, it should be Sammy, whatever, blah blah, blah blah blah, or whatever it is, it, it's just it makes no fucking sense. It's like. You know, I understand that's now part of being a fan and I try to have compassion for it, but I just see it way too much now and I'm just fucking over it. It's just like, just be a fan. It's like, you know, don't be the guy at the cell phone at the show, you know, just don't be that guy.
1: Well, listen, uh, wrestlingperspective at gmail.com. Email us your questions. Uh, and uh, let's see if we can get Happy Lars on next show. So don't ask so many <laughs> dumb questions, people. <laughs> no, I
2: don't think it was a dumb question. I really don't. And I'm not, you know, chastising the person who sent the email. I'm just saying, as a general rule, and maybe he just, you know, obviously uncovered something that's been deep inside of me. And there's nothing wrong. And I do appreciate the question, the fact that you listen to the show. It's super rad. But I mean, it's also, and maybe not everybody's going to agree with what I have to say, but that's the beauty of this fandom thing that we're all part of, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I am might have strong opinions,
1: whatever. Next question, Dennis. Uh, ooh, this is the end of the segment because in oh. just a second, our guests will be showing up, and it's a badass <laughs> guest this week. Masha, I'm super excited. Masha Slimovich is coming on. So uh, hang on. We'll be right back. Lars Fredrickson, you've done it again, my friend. I go, hey, what are we going to do for a guest this week? You said, sit back, sip your coffee. I'm pulling a rabbit out of my hat. and I'm bringing the big guns, a badass. I'm like, really? Masha Slamovich, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I'm super excited. Uh, Lars and I are both massive Impact fans, so to have you on is absolutely an honor.
3: Happy to be here with you guys today. You know, only a few days away from uh no surrender. So what better things to do than discuss exactly how I'm gonna become the next women's champion at impact, knockout's champion, actually.
1: And uh we're rooting for you because you know, uh we bet against Mickey James last time she was on the episode, so we're gonna do it again.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a and <clears throat> a general rule to bet against Mickey James because that yeah. always
1: works in your favor. Uh, yeah, so, she, she swerved us hard, and we'll never forget oh, her man. for that. Yeah, so yeah. no, now we're 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 rooting we're Team Masha for this weekend, just so you know.
2: And I'm gonna be there live to see this, so I'm excited.
3: Hopefully, you have front row seats. Is all I'll say.
2: Well, you know what? If Lou doesn't hook me up with front row, then we're gonna then I riot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, before we start recording, we were, you know, giving you some compliments and it kind of was leading into my first question and I'll tie it into a conversation I had with PD Williams. Oh, two weekends ago, we were talking about Lacey Evans and comparing her to a Sergeant Slaughter and, you know, maybe they should build her up to be an American hero. And then turn her like Slaughter did. And, you know, with the Iraq war and Pete said that would never work in today's wrestling fan and today's wrestling and then it, when you came on it got me thinking about back in the day uh russian characters how they were viewed in the american eyes and you coming in and and being a, a russian character it, when you were creating the masha persona were you cognizant and did you kind of go back and and watch old um, you know russian characters in american wrestling and pull from that
3: actually i did not at all um I think that back then, the characters were very, you know, stereotypically Russian, like wave the whole flag, USSR, communism thing. Myself being Russian is me being proud of, you know, my heritage, my country, and my nation. And it carries through in my work because it's part of who I am, but it's not what I am as a whole. There's so much more to me than simply being Russian. Um, but I'm glad that it comes off in such a strong way because I've always wanted to represent my nation uh, in a better way than it's viewed now globally. Um, So, you know, here's the changing of perception.
2: Well, it's interesting that you say that because I I honestly feel like right now, as far as talent and as of like being a heel and a
0: woman in, you know, in your division, like you're right now the Dot .com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful.
4: When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
2: Kind of the top heel. And I feel like it's because there's like this mystery with you, with the Russian thing. And, and, and it's kind of like, it's something that we quite don't understand as Americans. And we've been force fed this sort of ideology about russia even currently to this day right so um do you tap into like the social sort of feeling of what america sort of it, it sort of perceives russia as and i'm, I'm not going to try to harp on this i just want to know is that part of where you're finding your 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 healdom so to speak
3: i think that simply comes organically um you know growing up and being a Russian person, there's, there is some truth to the way that Russians are viewed uh, globally, you know, being very cold and work oriented and strict. So that, that is my reality. So I suppose you are what your environment is, right. In a sense. So I think that's partially why it plays into it because it's real and it's not force fed in any way.
1: And this is the last question I have on this subject. Uh, I am geek out when people who wrestle all over the world talk about other cultures and how their wrestling fans act. And, and I know a lot of people view American fan as, fans as wrestling hillbillies. But what is the wrestling scene like over in Russia? How do the fans react? Do they react like us? Do we react like them? Uh, I, I have zero clue what, what that whole pro wrestling scene over there is like.
3: The pro wrestling scene in Russia is not large by any means. It's actually mainly consistent of two promotions, uh, Northern Star Wrestling in St. Petersburg and IWF Moscow, which is where I've wrestled when I was over there. And the wrestling fans definitely have exposure to the American indies, to stuff like GCW, um you know they they're definitely very hot on ccw if we're talking about the russian death match crew which um exists kind of like the outlaws of the scene running like wherever in people's backyards but you know they get quite ultra violent with like barefoot uh glass death matches and setting guitars on fire setting each other on fire all types of insane stuff so there's uh, two promotions that are pretty much like you know Indie style, um, but they definitely draw most of their like inspiration from stuff like WWE and they watch AEW, um, and Impact as well, of course, is still uh over there, so there's that, and like I said, the rest is just like very deathmatch backyard. You guys can look some of the stuff up. There's a uh, Alex Nabiev is our most famous deathmatch guy,
2: I know who he is. Uh, well, you know, I guess for me, you know, I, first generation American grew up in a, you know, my mom was from Denmark. So it's a totally different culture, totally different vibe. How, what, what was your gateway into professional wrestling? Because, if it, it, you know, you're, you're relatively pretty young. Um, what was the first things that you saw that you were like, oh, I want to do this?
3: I don't remember like a specific match per se, but I definitely remember, you know, being super young, like three, four years old and I saw SmackDown and just after say like 10 minutes of watching, I was just so mesmerized and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do in life. And I guess I just never let that go because everything else just seems so mundane and boring and doesn't lead to any great adventure in life. And I definitely thought that aside from loving wrestling for what it is, I also really loved the the lifestyle and like the stories that I would discover later on from, you know, wrestlers who've lived that life and wrote books. And I thought that would be the kind of life I want for myself as opposed to just staying in the same city I was born in.
1: If if you thought your 2022 was phenomenal and I, I viewed it as your coming out party, you are starting this fucking year off amazing. Wow. You have you're going for the Impact Women's Championship. Uh was it this weekend at No Surrender? Next month, GCW World Championship, you're going for, I believe. I mean, holy shit. When did it all kind of click from you? Cause it seems like last year amazing this year you're now you know championship caliber starting a year off I mean I don't know if there's any woman that started a year off as hot as you are
2: well
3: 2023 is definitely going to be a year for everybody including myself to remember but I don't think it ever just clicks I think it's a culmination of this road to all of these little destinations right there's all these championship matches and big opportunities and even those as great moments as they are are all stops along the road and the journey of professional wrestling so I definitely think that partially it clicks for me way back when I was touring in northern Canada doing like the ice roads tours because I learned a lot from working in front of a small audience but really getting to learn how to work and live the old school way. And then shortly after that, going over to train with Shigusa Nagayo at Marvelous uh, during 2020. It was basically like attending your masters program when it comes to pro wrestling. Um so I think coming back from Japan, I definitely was ready to hit the American Indie scene with full speed finally starting in 2021 and it's all kind of been rolling nonstop from there like a snowball down a hill.
2: Well I've had the opportunity to see you on a few indies and uh watch you live and the learning curve that you have, because you've only, you know, obviously been doing it for how long, what, five years now, six years?
3: Something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, but you, but you go in there as, and, you know, it feels like you've been doing it for a lifetime. Where do you think that your greatest, uh, let me, let me, let me rephrase that question. Who was the pivotal person in your life? Cause I know you just mentioned somebody there, but who was the p- pivotal person that kind of really sort of, uh, you know, you, you basically influenced you the most at, in professional wrestling.
3: Um, I always attribute it to everybody, mainly the the people like like I said, Chigusa Nagayo, Amazing Red, and Johnny Rods. The top three people that I had the most time learning from, and who each taught me a little bit of something different, but also you know, all crosses over, all information goes in one. So. Definitely, I give all the credit to my coaches and people who I've been able to learn from along the way, because even aside from the things they taught me in the ring or outside of the ring, it's the things that are in my mind that now I'm able to notice in my own work and self-correct. And that's how I grow, um, you know, aside from outside advice. So I think that my coaches were definitely the most pivotal people because they gave me the mind and the eyes to see pro wrestling in a different way.
1: There are very few wrestlers that cross over from deathmatch to regular professional wrestling that do it at each of them at a high level, and you're one of the few people that I've kind of seen in recent years that are able to do it at this amazing level. How do you switch off the two different modes? Because you know, uh, I was never a huge deathmatch guy until Lars and I started uh, bumming around together, and he would send me stuff to watch, and it really opened my eyes to how different the two styles and clash against each other as a fan when you watch.
3: To me personally versatility is one of the most important things in what I bring to the table in wrestling. So to me it's there's not really a switch to switch off of. I find it very comfortable to go in any direction from, you know, technical wrestling to blood sports style to death match to regular indie to tv to you know what I mean there's so many different styles and in the hopes of becoming one of the greats of professional wrestling by the end of my career I think that I have to master uh in every style as opposed to just one and I enjoy them all very much I definitely enjoy deathmatch and it's there's like a special feeling Once you're in there, it's hard to describe to people who don't enjoy deathmatch or haven't done deathmatch, but there's a certain kind of high that you just click into. And once you're going, you're going and everything is crisp around you and you're just hyper focused on the wrestling going on around you. And, you know, wrestling on impact also has its highs because, you know, it's TV, big match, big pressure. So there's that.
2: (laughs) So you're saying you like the pressure.
3: I've always been one to perform under pressure yes
2: well if you had I mean because you know we've obviously seen you and if anybody knows anything about your sort your your career so far that you've done all different kinds of and styles of wrestling um, do you have a particular one that you feel that you excel at better at this point and what is that particular style and what is uh, maybe a style that you want to do more of so it's a two-parter
3: I don't think I have one in particular that I would like to do more of. I would just like to keep doing a little bit of everything. Uh, You know, it all depends on the person. It all depends on place and whatnot. So I always like the diversity in, uh, in my wrestling schedule. So I hope that continues. And I definitely think that working with um people from japan who understand that style and the girls who have trained over there and the guys as well i think i'm able to put on some of my best matches um, for example um the one of the first round matches is going to be myself against Fuminoru abe in the uh carrot cup in germany 16 Carrot, coming up in march so I'm very much looking forward to that match, um, as well as a match that's going to be during WrestleMania week, which will be myself versus Aja Kong for Prestige Wrestling. Uh, some of the matches that I'm very excited for coming up in that style.
1: Uh, being, I think Lars and I, knowing a lot of guys and watching wrestling with them and uh, being able, when you watch wrestling with someone who's in the business and they open your eyes to what's happening next and how we consume wrestling – Being in the industry, being now at a upper echelon level, does it change the way you view and you consume your wrestling?
3: I think the way that I view and consume wrestling changed immediately upon me beginning training because, you know, you learn more things, you get to see it differently. You understand things uh, differently as time goes on. So I truly think that that me like entering the, professional wrestling business was when it drastically changed and I, I really don't ever think it went um, went back to how I used to watch wrestling but I don't find that to be a negative at all I actually find that to be a positive because some of my favorite matches like Kenta Kobashi versus Misawa I believe it was June 6th of 98 or June 5th or something of the sort there's such a feeling that you can get on board with once you understand what's going on so much more so as you keep going back to rewatch it like throughout my career i just find it to be very awesome the more you understand it the more you're able to take in what they're doing and what the story that they're telling
2: in today's modern wrestling there's uh much more of an opportunity for these dream matches like you know i you know seeing uh mercedes monet or you know i'm trying to think a. You know, there's so many out there right now. Is there somebody, you know, and, and Mickey James? And I, uh, do you do you look at this opportunity with Mickey James? I mean, was this something that like where you were, you know, on a personal level? Uh, did do you, were you like this is a challenge I want to take because I'm going to learn a lot more? Or uh, you know, is this uh, something that you know you've aspired to do is wrestle at a, you know a, a, a someone the caliber of a Mickey James? I know you know like is this is this like a learning experience for you do you take it as that
3: of course it's a learning experience I, every single match that you're in i believe is a learning experience and from every single opponent you will learn something uh be it little be it big it's always going to be uh something that you hold on to and something that makes you a better wrestler um i Definitely, like most other wrestlers of my age watched Mickey James while I was growing up, so I do think that's a definitely not a match that I saw in my cards um never really just envisioned it to happen, but here we are, and I think it's going to have a very interesting outcome, but I don't think it's going to be in mickey james'
2: favor that's fair um i my, I guess where I was trying to go with my question is that because we can we can see these dream matches, is there somebody? that you really want to get in the ring with now or work with now, you know, cause you're kind of now sort of vibrating with the Mickey James, you're sort you know, Deanna Praza, you know, so it's like, you're sort of up there now. I mean, do you, does that, do you ever think like, well, now I want to go for this person or that person?
3: I think I want to go for every person. I think there's room in my schedule for a litany of opponents who I haven't gotten to wrestle yet. And I think that Time will bring me all of them. I think why stop at one? Why not take all of them? Be greedy.
1: That was the best non-answer I've ever heard. Holy cow. I'm going to give you a clap for that one. <laughs> that was very sweet. I like that. Um, I, I do want to deep dive in character development because we touched on it at the beginning of the show. And as we're winding down here, uh, I I geek out in the creative process of a person. And when you sit down and 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 think of where you want the Masha persona to be two years from now, a year from now, six months from now, do you write out your ideas? Do you just let them come to you? How, how do you, how do you envision taking this character from today to the future?
3: Some of the best advice that I received in my career um was just simply being told to go by feel. And I think that that was very important for my character development because I think feeling things out and just going by energy, going by feel is honestly the best way to take it. I think that sometimes me personally, if I get really too deep into something, it's really easy to like sink down a rabbit hole, overthink and lose sight of the bigger picture. So I think instead of clouding my own judgment with that, sometimes it's better to just go by feel and take it as it goes.
2: Do you think because of the way that people are consuming wrestling these days, it's harder to stand out, (laughs) meaning that, you know, there's so many programs to watch. There's, you know, you got IWTV, you got Fight TV, you got, you know, however you want to see it. And a lot more people are streaming YouTube, so, so on and so forth. Do you Did you find that from your experience it was harder to kind of make a name for yourself?
4: I
3: don't think it's harder at all as a matter of fact, I think that makes it that much easier, especially if you make it a goal of yours to travel and to appear on every single one of those listed programs um It definitely requires time effort and a lot of work and a lot of travel, but all of those programs are there for the consumption and entertainment of wrestling fans who have more and easier access, um, to so much pro wrestling that, you know, 10, 20 years ago would have never been available. So I think as a wrestler, we have to take advantage of these opportunities and make them work for us as much as we work for them.
1: Impacts, no surrender, February 24th, Nevada. Uh, I don't know if there's tickets left. If not, go get them. If the, Go get this on any, pet what, fight. I think there's other, maybe, nah, just go Impact to fight, Plus. order it. Yeah, Impact Plus, get that every month. You can watch Masha, Masha wrestle every week there. Uh, first and foremost, where can people find you online? Because we're fans. Now we want everybody to follow you.
3: I'm on pretty much every program you might imagine, aside from TikTok. I will not be on TikTok, but I am on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Patreon where I just released my first ever uh one of many vlogs about my recent tour in Alberta. So you can find me at all these uh places, cameo, uh so on and so forth at Masha Slamovich, Pretty easy first and last name.
1: We're rooting for you, champ. I don't know if that's a kiss of death or not, but we're rooting for you. Uh bring us home that championship because you know you're family now. So you go do the good work for us this week. <laughs> you'll uh, just
3: have to tune in on friday and watch it unfold in front of your very eyes can't well, crack I'm this preview. nut
2: cannot crack this nut well thank uh, you masha really appreciate uh you coming in and taking your time for us today good luck on on friday and uh, hopefully we'll see more of you in the future thank
4: you thank you thank you <laughs>